Hello and welcome to the Women in Tech SEO podcast, where your hosts are myself, Sarah McDowell, SEO content executive at Holland and Barrett, and the ever so wonderful Areed Abu Ali, who is a SEO consultant and the founder of the glorious Women in Tech SEO community. This week, we have Rejoice Ojaku joining us, who is SEO manager experienced in technical and content SEO. And she's also the co-founder of B Digital UK, which is a marketing and advertising platform catered to the black demographic to inspire and educate. Good morning to the both of you. Good morning. I'm so excited to be here and I'm so happy that Rejoice is joining us today. I'm very excited to be here. This is very, very exciting. Thank you for having me. We, we, we love having you here and Rejoice, you know that we absolutely love involving you in as many projects and initiatives and events that we, that we have. Um, to get started, I think it would be great for our audience to learn more about you and what got you into SEO in the first place. Yeah, so um, I got into SEO after my uh, marketing um, master's and it was meant to be a graduate rotating program, but they sort of left me in SEO for six months, which was meant to be three. So by the sixth month, I sort of fell in love with SEO. It was ideally where I wanted to sit because I find that SEO is a good mix of IT um, and marketing and it sort of does give me all that, you know, analytical skills and I get to sort of play around with websites, I get to sort of look at coding, things that I was interested in and from there I sort of continued to stick with SEO Um, there's so much to learn. And I guess because it is ever changing, there's so many things coming in, going out. Um, I do kind of like that fast paced um, thing about SEO. So um, there's so many layers to it, which I really like to explore. So that's where I found my SEO love, I guess. Yeah, I love that. And I love everything that you do with the Digital UK. So if you can tell our audience more about what it is and what inspired you to start it in the first place. So Be Digital UK was sort of started when um, I, myself and my friend Wilhelmina went to Women in Tech SEO conference and um, I, I absolutely loved the idea of a, um, I guess, initiative that was catered to women. But in all things, I guess myself and Wilhelmina, we always look out for how many black people are present in, in yeah. a certain environment. And we saw that there wasn't a lot of black people, um, women present. Um, and then we were sort of asking ourselves questions like, do we actually know any black person in digital marketing, just in general? Um, and we didn't, and we couldn't actually say who we knew that was involved in digital marketing or someone that was up there. We already knew about the you know other um, counterparts or the white people who are so prominent within the space. So that's when we decided we should create a platform that educates and inspires um, digital marketers who are already in the industry and people who are coming into the industry. So we wanted to show students that marketing and um, advertising is a viable career and you can take all those skills you have at university, whether you are um, analytical, whether you've done computer science, you can take all of those and bring it to digital marketing. So Be Digital was then born um, and so far it's been going great. We've received so many, um, you know, 
so many well done so many great jobs and everything and we've collaborated with some people and we also use it to tackle diversity and inclusion as a topic and what it means to be culturally sensitive what it means in the hiring process and what's good salary transparency all these topics we mostly cater to the black demographic because there's there's i guess not as much education there um and from there it sort of you know blossomed into this beautiful um thing that's taken up a lot of my time yeah and and what what can the industry do more of to help support you um in, in be digital uk and, and help spread the word more um i think really get involved in the conversation with us um a lot of times we try to educate if there's something that you know um people out there feel like they would like us to talk about maybe make a post on via instagram and twitter so we do quite a lot of educational content on instagram so if there's a post you'd like us to create let us know if you're having conversations about diversity and inclusion let us know we would love to be involved in any panel talks we would love to be involved in anything that any outreach that certain companies are doing for universities or students we would love to be involved um overall we would really like to create um, little programs for for students that can um, maybe have a taster day with um someone in the industry whether it's ppc just have a taster day just so they know what is actually out there when it comes to marketing i think people think marketing is you know tv radio and that's where it stays but marketing goes into the digital space so having to show students this is what it means or and also jobs um people are always looking for jobs so we definitely post any hiring um vacancies are out there so let us know and we always ask in our jobs that we state the salary that is something that we want to be transparent about i don't want to sort of say oh uh, be ambiguous in the salary aspect because we're trying to talk about salary transparency we would like to state that so if you have any jobs reach out to us for us to advertise and um, it does come with a fee uh, but we can definitely negotiate with that so that's a great way to help so lots of ways there then loads and loads of ways <laughs> no <Lazy> excuses <laughs> no excuses lovely right are you ready for some quick fire questions yes yes let's go right question number one do you prefer poached fried or scrambled eggs i would have to go with fried oh are you are you dipping like your toast in the yellow bit at the top yes or? yes absolutely i love the little runny section <laughs> favorite takeaway um between chinese and nigerian food ah so i wonder like if you could have like a blend of both That'd I think be... you can. I think you can have Chinese ribs with Nigerian jollof rice, um, and I think they will go beautifully together. I mean, that just sounds wonderful. It's coming up to lunchtime, and you're making me hungry. <laughs> um, plants or flowers? Plants. I became a plant mum recently, so plants. Right. Can I just ask this? Right. Plants is a coming of age thing, I believe, because I was never bothered about plants, and then I got to a certain age, and I can't get enough of them. Same. I, I think now all my friends um, are now becoming plant mums. Um, and I just thought, oh, is it because I'm older? I sort of like the whole greenery thing in my house now. Or I, I, yeah. think, I think it's exactly that. It's also good for clean air as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, do you go by any nicknames? Um, I do. So some people call me Reg, Reggie or um, RJ. Ah, which is your favourite? What can I call you today? 
Reggie. Reggie's Reggie. Fine. Yeah. Okay, Reggie. Can you say the alphabet backwards? No. <laughs> not if not if I try. No, I, I'll be here for hours. I used to because there's a little sort of like rhyme sort of song thing, um, and I learned. I don't know why I learned it because it's not like you ever need to say the alphabet backwards ever in your life, do you? Yeah. <laughs> I randomly learned how to say the alphabets in sign language. <gasps> I can spell my name in sign language. Oh, that's, I can as well. I took sign language um, as a course at uni. Wonderful. <laughs> I can spell my name as well. Uh, I mean, I would suggest that we could like sign the whole podcast, but I'd have to like sign out and spell every word. So that would be yeah. very long, wouldn't it? <laughs> very. <laughs> okay, last question. And then you survived my quick fire round section. Uh, what other language would you like to learn? Um, I would love to. Ooh, I would love to learn Spanish, and I would love to learn a bit of Mandarin. Ooh, very interesting. Do you have any plans for learning these? Is it on your to do list someday? Um, Spanish, absolutely. Um, I need to download I think Duolingo. Um, I just think it's really, really cool, and I really do enjoy Spanish music. So I want to understand what's being said. Yeah, love that. So I think, but before we kind of dive into our main topic that we're here to talk about, um, with it being the Women in Tech SEO podcast, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you know what empowers you to be the brilliant woman you are today. Um, I think for me, what empowers me is I always think about the sort of life I want to um, live in general and the sort of person I would like to be for my siblings. Um, so being the first daughter on the, and the first child of my parents and we don't have any boys, um, I've always sort of wanted to be a really good example. Um, and I think for me, that example would come from being kind, being respectful, um, and actually having some sort of priority for yourself, whether you want to prioritize your career, prioritize home life. Um, I think it's I want to show that you can be a woman of choice. And in those choices, you're able to, um, I guess, go wherever you want. Um, and that sort of empowers me to always uplift women in a way I feel that I love women who are breaking barriers. I love women who know who they are and are very comfortable and very proud and loud about it. Um, and those sort of things do inspire me and empower me to sort of be brilliant in everything I do, I guess, hopefully. I love that. And, and what advice would you give women who are just starting out in the industry? I would say my advice would be expect the unexpected. And I would always say that because when you enter the industry, there's so many things as women you face and there's so many things as women you might go through that men won't go through. And I think, you know, whilst you're expecting the unexpected, I think make sure that underneath or that the root is you're staying true to who you are. So you are, so you know the kind of woman you are, you know, and you understand who you are in womanhood. And that way, don't be afraid to bring womanhood into your role because end of the day being a woman is who you are it's not all you are but bring womanhood into it and I think um a lot of times when we enter male dominated uh, environments we try to be like men and I think it's no be like a woman and show that in my womanhood I can do twice 10 times better as my other counterparts and it, it literally doesn't matter my gender but your womanhood is something you should celebrate 
add it to your role. You have different perspective because you're a woman. And I think that would be a great advice when you enter the industry. I absolutely, I don't think that was words then. I do apologize. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Um, and yeah, like you should, you should celebrate your wonderful womanless woman, yeah. womanhood. Um, yeah. So I love how you phrase that. Awesome. Right. So let's get into the main topic of today. And that is keyword mapping. So what is the main goal with keyword mapping? I personally believe the main goal with keyword mapping is to um, target searches intent. I think um, ultimately you want to be able to put yourself in your consumer's shoes and think like how how are they searching? How are they looking for things? What what words are they using to actually search? And I think the main goal to map those keywords is just to understand, um, I, like I said before, the searches intent and understand how to then be able to use that searches intent, use those keywords to now work for you and work for your brand so that Google can also find you, but also making it organic at the same time. Yeah. And I guess just a big shout out because I know that you're you're speaking in Brighton SEO this summer on this very topic. How are you feeling yes. about that? I'm really excited. Um, I'm trying to um, think about what angle I want to come in. And I think um, maybe I feel as though searches intent will probably be the the focus for me because I, I do think a lot of brands remove the the human side of keyword because, yes, we're trying to keyword map for an, a website, but ultimately we're trying to actually target humans. So you can't remove the human element out of your keyword search research and you kind of have to add that back in in order to effectively keyword map and keyword grouping together. Wonderful. Um, I'm very excited uh, about your talk and hopefully I'll be on the first row there um, cheer- cheering you on. Hey. Um, <laughs> I just want to quickly, because um, obviously you said intent, um, so matching users' intent. Can you just uh, so for like um, people who've not heard of that term before, what do you what do you mean by intent? So intent would be, I guess, the I guess for intent would be the reason. What is the reason your audience is looking for certain products? So if you understand the reasons why, and sometimes the reasons can change from they are trying to buy or they're trying to learn. Um, about a certain product so they might have different reasons of searching not all users search to ultimately buy but some do search for more information some do search for um, just those things so if you understand why your why your um, audience understand your intent you'll be able to then keyword map accordingly um, and then target that audience better and I know that you're agency side. So what's how does it feel having to do that for a multitude of clients? And what's your current process for it? Um, I think for me is, so agency side of things. So when I've done keyword mapping for agencies, I used to do it for uh, beauty brands. And um, that was much easier for me because I, I'm a consumer of beauty products. So um, my process would be um, when I would do the keyword research and the keyword mapping, I'll always look at it from me as a consumer not me as an seo person but as a consumer what are the what are the natural terms i search for without actually you know knowing that this is what i'm doing so 
I will also then input all those um, manually, input all those different search terms and then use certain tools to then find out what's the search volume and then start looking at which ones are the same, how are things phrased differently. And then that way you can start grouping things together to sort of build this more holistic view of um, what the brand wants and understanding the brand's tone of voice, who the brand's audience are, are they young, are they you know old, are they older, um, older um, audience and stuff like that, that will definitely help you within your process. So you touched on grouping there, grouping keywords. Um, so is there any like sort of do's and don'ts here? Um, I think the do would be um, definitely do not, well, I don't know if it's do's or don'ts, but when you are grouping keywords together, a do would be use alternative words. Um, alternative words that mean the same thing can be grouped together. So um, it doesn't have to be the same version, but certain words that have synonyms that can be used as search terms, that could actually be grouped together. I think certain people just don't use synonyms thinking, oh, it's not exactly the same phrase. It doesn't have to be exactly the same phrase, but you can you can also look at it from, um, you know, different versions of that word that a user can use. Those can be grouped together because those would be a similar search intent or similar search query. Um, I will say don't ignore long-tail long, long keywords um, and don't ignore it to be grouped. You can group long-tail keywords because people write long-tail keywords in different conversational ways. Um, that should also be looked at um, in, in, that, in that sense. Yeah, and I think it's this idea of long-tail keywords. You know, it's, it's probably less competition, but it's higher conversion. So. Yeah. That's why it's something that should definitely be, you know, prioritized and considered and not just yeah. a, a big focus on like, you know, your big head commercial terms. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So in terms of what type of data metrics do you focus on the most then when you're when you're doing all, all forms of keyword research and mapping process? What, what are the data metrics that you focus on the most? Um, I definitely look at search volumes are given. Search, you have to look at certain search volumes. Um, when I was doing the keyword um, keyword mapping, I always looked at, obviously, the search volumes that are 1,000 plus are amazing, um, but we also looked at the opportunities. So if a search term is maybe, I don't know, 500, 150, there's still an opportunity there that people are still searching. It might not be a lot, but you wouldn't use that as a priority keyword, but you shouldn't discard that keyword. Um, another search term, competition, understand how high that keyword is in terms of your competitors, how you know how many times um good thing is maybe type the keyword into google see how much results comes up you can sort of see how high the competition is another one will be relevancy i do understand with content the keyword has to be very relevant to um to actually what the website is about what that page is about if it does not have any relevancy it will be very difficult to sort of seamlessly add that in into your meta title description or um the body of of the content so those would be um really the three metrics i sort of look at in order to then um decide okay these are good these are not so good yes wonderful um and would you say it's important um so obviously keywords bring up different like search features don't they um so people are always like putting different things in uh search engine results so is it important to know like what google is showing like what sort of featured snippets there are and things like that is that important to know i think i think it absolutely is important to know um because 
you know especially with like knowledge cards and stuff um you can they're very good ways to sort of be able to be seen as i guess uh authoritative with with your content and if you can you know map your keywords in in order to sort of target those um features feature snippets and stuff that is uh, very useful because again we have things like the zero clicks um results page and if you are sort of being ranking for that people are seeing you may not even be on the first page but if google uses your site as you know the zero click feature or a knowledge card people are still going to see your face quicker, even though you're not on the first page per se, you're on the second page. But because you've targeted feature snippets, um, it's a great look for your for your site. And what, what would be your next step at that point? So you, you've done all the keyword research, all the keyword mapping, you identified the main opportunities. How do you go ahead and feed that into a content strategy that you can give directly to the content team? Um, I would how I've done it before was I took all to the brands had the priority pages that they're targeting whether it's a product page uh, or description page they had the priority so I would create a spreadsheet that sort of has all the major pages that they want and I would assign two or three um two or three um priority keywords showing the search um search volumes and all those things and then rewrite um recommended titles recommended data and then at some point also have a column to say um, potential content, especially if the page has an article page or blog page, um, potential content that they can embed this keywords here or can be part of a, a title. So for example, when working with Max Factor at the time, they had, you know, I sort of suggested they write about dewy skin and that way they can then embed different keywords like dewy foundation and actually, actually link build by creating a, a a post on their blog page so that's how i will sort of give the content team that blueprint so they can understand the variation of keywords they can use and understand what other topics are people talking about that these keywords are very useful very relevant in creating any other content wonderful wonderful i'm trying like i feel like you're giving so many good knowledge um, bombs here I'm trying to make my brain a sponge here <laughs> um okay so what tools do um, people need to be using for keyword mapping I absolutely love um SEMrush I think um SEMrush is great because one you can see competitors um what competitors tools um keywords they have done um and also where the gap is and understand where you're ranking for certain keywords. Um, I also do like, I haven't used it much, I think I use it once, SE ranking, um, which is an amazing tool I find. It, it's very clear in, in letting, you know, letting you know the groupings of things and you can group keywords accurately, um, whether it's soft grouping or hard grouping. Um, that is something I really do enjoy about it. Another one is Hrefs, of course. Hrefs, again, just any sort of keyword analysis you can sort of look at that your competitors are doing or what's out there. Um, a good one, it's not necessarily a keyword mapping tool, but it's great to understand search terms. It's answer the public. Um, that just gives you a variety of um, searches that people might be doing using a specific keyword you're trying to target. That way you can then go further and look into what are the actual search volumes by maybe using Google Keyword Planner just to see what the search volumes are. But I think Answer the Public sort of gives you a good beginner start 
um, for when you are ready to start doing the searching and then the mapping and then the grouping and you sort of have a, a, a more clearer version or vision of where you're trying to go. Yeah, that, that's really helpful, like an array of different tools that can kind of help you get started. I feel like a lot of what you've mentioned initially, though, around, you know, uh, having a good understanding behind the industry and the website is always going to to feed in and uh, tools can kind of help with the data metric side and the analysis and so forth. And uh, just to wrap up then, uh, how do you, if people are still getting started on this and it's not something that they've previously done before, are there any specific resources or pieces of reading that you'd recommend uh, for, to help people kind of get started on it? Um, absolutely. I would say um, Search Engine Journal, they have quite a lot of really good blog articles around the ultimate, you know, keyword mapping, the ultimate guide. If you check out 3qdigital.com, they have another guide that explains, you know, SEO keyword mapping, the do's and the don'ts. I would also plug in um, Alida. She created the learning SEO, um, I guess, resource. And that literally has quite a lot to do with content side keywords as well. Great reading tool, great place to sort of um, go. Um, looking at Moz, I always say Moz is a great, you know, it has so many, so many different topics to talk about. That's a great place. So these resources would be amazing. And don't be afraid. Honestly, don't be afraid to go on Twitter and just tweet. Um, look out for SEO experts. Just ask the question. I always say that you know the best resources can also be social media because people can actually answer you directly or you can DM them. If you are still stuck after reading, why not just put out a question on social media? Twitter, LinkedIn people are very much able to um, help. That's that's how I've got things answered. I just tweet and say, does anyone know how this works? And someone explains it and have a better understanding. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, I mean, thank you very much for talking to us about keyword mapping. Uh, I feel like, yeah, this is a very awesome episode that um, is going to be very useful to a lot of people. So thank you very much. Are you ready for a feature, both of you? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Let's go for it. Okie dokie. So the tenuous link is we were talking about keyword mapping. I was thinking about maps. So the quiz is where in the world did these Disney films take place? Oh, that's going to be a tough one for me. <laughs> I hope, I hope, I hope I get this right because I do love Disney. Do you not watch much Disney, Aweej? Yeah, I did in the past, but I probably haven't in a while. I definitely haven't watched any of the new ones that have come out since I was 10. (laughs) Uh, What about about you, Rejoice? I I think I've watched every single one. (laughs) (laughs) I still watch it till today. I get so excited when there's a new Disney film out. I literally have to sit down, get a popcorn, and literally do nothing and watch the whole show. Okay, so I'm losing this quiz then. I was just going to say, <laughs> Areej, it sounds like uh, Rejoice is going to win here, but let's uh, let's both go in with fighting spirit, okay? Yeah. Right. First Disney film, and Rejoice, you can go first because you're, you're the guest. Uh, where in the world does Mulan take place? China. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. What? Huh? Oh, do we have to say where in China? No, no, just what, just the uh, country is fine. 
Yeah, Imperial China. Panel? But also, I think I should probably answer first because I will just cheat because Rebus <laughs> knows all the answers. <laughs> Fair enough. We will we'll go. Well, we can take in turns as well. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, Avij. Well, you've both got that. Um. Right. Um. So one point. Um, next one then, and I read your answer in first. Lilo and Stitch. Oh. Where in the world did that film take place? I have, I have never seen it. I have no idea. <laughs> Just random. Say a country. United Hello. States of America. <laughs> <laughs> Rejoice. Hawaii. Yes, it is. I win then, right? Hawaii is in the US. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Okay, Rejoice, you're first. 101 Dalmatians. Oh, um, I don't. I actually know that know. one. I think I know that one. Is it? Well, is it? I don't know. I want to say England. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, oh, I answered. <laughs> yeah, I knew. I, I was going to say London. London, isn't it? Well, you get the bonus point there, Ruiz, because I was going to ask whereabouts in England yeah. for a bonus point. So, well, is it, but isn't it isn't it precisely Suffolk? Oh, oh I mean, yeah. are you going for an additional bonus <laughs> point here? Suffolk. So, yeah, is one hundred one Dalmatians in Suffolk? I think it is in Suffolk. Isn't England Suffolk? It has to be. Ah, yes, yes. I knew it. Amazing. I've watched that show so many times. The Eve, I love this. The Evil Lair of Cruella de Vil, located in Suffolk. Uh, I imagine Cruella de Vil is a good, like, fancy dress costume, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Okay, who's going first this time? I can go first. Abid, okay. Beauty and the Beast, where in the world? Go. I have no idea. (laughs) I know. Oh, I'm, I'm going to read fr- Paris. I don't know why I said that, but I think Paris. Okay, rejoice. Um, I think it's um, it's it's definitely in France, and I can give you I can give you the village the village name. Go on then. If it, I think it's called Villay Villayanu something like that. It's like the the Villayanu. I don't know. Is that the Villayanu? Well, I mean, I all I've got for my resource, I've only got France. So oh, um, not, I'm actually proud of myself. That's not too bad. Yeah, because you're actually getting it very close. I actually think you secretly watch it, but you don't. Know <laughs> yeah, she's lying when she's saying that the last time she watched a um, Disney film was when she was ten. We're on to you, Reed. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's a it's a draw. So this one for the win. And um, I'm going to go with the read first because this is a bit hard. And I think this, yeah. And I think Rejoice, I think you'll know this. Uh, Pocahontas. Uh, so they they went to take over the, it, it's in the US, isn't it? Is, is it, that your answer? I think it's the US, yeah. Rejoice. Um, in Jamestown, Virginia. Yes. Oh my god. How do you know this? I researched Pocahontas because someone said she's a real person. I thought, okay, cool, let me just go research and I just and that's I just know that random information that it would be based in yeah. Jamestown, Virginia. I didn't do, do too bad. I knew most of the countries. 
Yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. And I think Rejoice only just stole it from you this week. Oh, she definitely whoop, won. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you like my tenuous link there? Mm-hmm. I, very clever, very very clever. And I really did enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> With the Women in Tech SEO podcast, you don't just learn about SEO; you learn other random facts as well. Yep, yep, you do. <laughs> wonderful wonderful right rejoice if people want to continue the conversation with you how can they do that where are you so i'm i'm on linkedin rejoice ojaku um and also on twitter reggie yates um i'm not (laughs) the real reggie yates but you know don't get confused i'm just a cool version of reggie yates um be digital uk can be found on twitter um and instagram and we are on linkedin as well we're on Facebook, but we have like a link tree link, which tells you every social platform that we're on. Um, hopefully soon we are bringing out a website for BDigital UK, which will have quite a lot of more information about us and what we're doing so people can keep up to date. Um, so, so yeah, that's how you can find me. Wonderful. Ravij? Yeah, so Women in Tech SEO, you can find us on womenintechseo.com. You'll find our podcast there, all of our episodes. They come out every week on Tuesday. And if you'd like to be a speaker or a sponsor, all you have to do is you just fill a form and that's it. Wonderful. And the only thing that I would say is if you do enjoy our podcasts and you are not yet subscribed why what what are you doing no I'm joking um if you do subscribe you do get notifications of when new episodes are ready for you to listen to so yes um i mean i could just spend more hours talking to you both but i think we're just going to ha- have to say goodbye um so goodbye for me yeah goodbye for me bye for me as well <laughs> And until next time. <laughs>